on into Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Pioneer Day or Pioneer Day for a certain segment of our listening base. Wherever you may be listening from, it is Pioneer Day here in Utah, celebrating the arrival of the pioneers from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints into the Salt Lake Valley 100 and whatever years ago. But thanks again for joining us. We've got a lot to cover on today's edition of the podcast. Need to get to some news coming out from the BYU basketball program as one of the players on that team has retired. Speaking of Nick Emery, we'll also run down what's going on in BYU football. Neil Pau has agreed to a plea deal in his DUI case. We'll break that down for you. We'll get to our player countdown series as well as answering one of the burning questions ahead of BYU fall camp opening up this weekend and on into next week. So a lot to get to on today's edition of the podcast. Without further ado, let's get going. This is Locked on Cougars for July 24th, 2019. Alright guys, I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks again for joining us on a Pioneer Day edition of the podcast. I just did the math. 172 years ago, the Mormon pioneers or members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints entered the Salt Lake Valley and settled this valley where I grew up. I grew up in Utah County, so a little bit further south, but fun holiday and for some people it's known as pie and beer day it's kind of a fun play on words there but a lot to get to on today's edition of the podcast i think first things first we'll kick off here is saying farewell a fond farewell to nick emery he announced on social media yesterday on twitter and instagram that he is hanging up his jersey he had one year remaining of collegiate eligibility but he has decided that he's in a good place now he recently married a widowed woman who had a, has a son and he feels like he's in a good place and he's setting aside his college basketball career and his basketball career in general and moving on with life so I think the first thing we can say is thanks for everything Nick congratulations on a career well played out I know it was very much in the public eye and a lot of things went on with it, especially when it came to the NCAA sanctions that came down on him with those impermissible benefits. Uh, caused the vacation of 47 wins, which BYU is still appealing to the NCAA in hopes of getting those wins back, uh, more particularly for former BYU head coach Dave Rose. But Nick Emery moves on. He averaged just a shade under 13 points per game during his three-year career for BYU. Had a very um, highly publicized case where he had family members, in-laws that were out to smear his good name and just an ugly situation. And there, there's fault on both sides. Of course, Nick shouldn't have taken the impermissible benefits. I think we can all agree that, yeah, that was, he, he knew, he better, he should have known better. Let's play, put it that way. But he's also in a bad place mentally. He's battled through that. He's been very public and open about his uh, dealing with his mental health issues. But I think all things considered, he's pulled through all of that. He enjoyed a, a return to the court this past season, played relatively well in a bench role, came off the bench and started late in the season as well as BYU really had an up and down year, plain and simple. But all things considered, I think all 
all BYU fans can look at it and say, hey, thanks for the memories, Nick. It didn't uh, live up to the expectations I think that BYU fans had when the so-called Lone Peak 3 signed with BYU. Uh, one uh, one was Greg Rubel saying that on DJ and PK, the show I work for on the Zone Sports Network, that he believed that there would be multiple six, Sweet 16 runs with this group joining BYU. But as it stands, there's only one member of the Lone Peak 3 still on the BYU roster, and that is TJ Hawes, who now enters his senior season and probably is going to be the starting point guard for BYU. And I think for the most part, I think we can all agree, has had the best BYU career in terms of his on-court production. Eric Meek has been playing professionally overseas. He most recently was in Germany. He spent time in Italy. And now Nick Emery is setting aside his basketball career and moving on. So I, I, the thing I want to get, get across to everybody on today's podcast is thanks to Nick Emery. Thanks for the memories. He had some memorable outings. Uh, he, of course, had that unfortunate um, incident in Las Vegas that he was caught on, on film or video saying this. Yeah, we beat your ass. Sit down. And that's not going to – I know it was kind of fun in the moment, but it, was, it wasn't meant to be a, a derogatory thing. We had some fun with it on the radio and whatnot. I thought it was hilarious. The oh at the, at the end of it is another former BYU basketball player whose name is escaping me at the moment. But still just uh, one, of those, one of those careers you look at BYU, and of course there will be people thinking, what if? What if Eric Mika stays, and what if Nick Emery doesn't deal with the highly publicized off-the-court drama that he dealt with with in-laws trying to smear his good name, his mental health issues, etc.? What could have been? But I think that you just have to say thanks to Nick Emery, and I think you have to tip your cap to him and say you've battled through a lot, plain and simple. Um, he, had, he had a uh, divorce from his first wife. He recently remarried. He's kind of that instant dad where he, he becomes the father to this son, this young, this young son, and I'm happy for him, plain and simple. I, I think that's what I want to get across is I'm happy for Nick Emery that he is making the call on his own, and now it's his opportunity to move on with his life and figure out whatever's next for him. I'm hopeful that he finds happiness. He's able to do things he's able, he wants to do in his life and he can go out and have the career, whatever field he ends up working in, et cetera, that he's always dreamed of. I, I, he deserves that, plain and simple. That's the thing. He deserves to be happy. He deserves to move on with his life. And I don't think BYU fans uh, should be doing anything but saying thank you to him. I know, like I said, there are always going to be those questions of what if, but you just deal with it. Now, in terms of what it means for BYU basketball, it means there's, new, that there's now a roster slot available for Mark Pope to work with. And there are a bevy of trans transfers out there still in the NCAA transfer portal that I'm sure Pope was probably combing through and doing a good job at identifying talent and it wouldn't surprise me actually if if Pope already had a list of guys okay if I do have a roster slot open who would I target here and he's probably got a list of guys he's probably going down that list and if there are guys that have already committed to other programs signed with other programs he's moving down that list and checking with people so it, it I don't think this this scholarship slot if there I, I know there were talk if uh, of if um, Nick Emery was on scholarship but based on what I know Nick was on scholarships that opens up a roster slot on scholarship that I think Mark Pope can now go pursue a grad transfer or if he wants to have another guy sit out another year a more traditional transfer to bring into BYU for a year or two I, I think it'd be a good move you don't want to leave this roster slot just sitting there especially with how talented and deep BYU all of a sudden is with all that senior leadership Nick was figured to be part of that but you still have 
have plenty of seniors on this roster. And if you can go get another piece that can really come in and contribute for a year or two as a grad transfer, you feel like you have a guy who's really talented, but he has to sit out a year. You just you eat that scholarship slot for the for the year in their year in residence. I think it'd be a good move for BYU. You don't just let this roster slot sit there and take up space. So I'm expecting that BYU will figure things out uh, and they'll work on the roster. We'll keep you updated with any news that comes out about that. But I just overall, I just want to say, hey, congratulations to Nick Emery. It's it's hard for guys, a lot of guys. There's a lot, we can see it in pro sports all the time. It's hard for guys to step away from their careers because because it becomes who they are, becomes part of their persona, and it's hard for them to let that go and say, okay, I need to find a new thing to be known about, to be known about or known as. I need to find my my next uh, thing in life. And some guys go into broadcasting. Other guys go into private uh, business, etc. But you have to find something. But too many guys get caught up in the persona of, I'm an athlete. I only identify as an athlete. How do I re-identify myself? And it can be a tough thing. So I think Nick Emery, he deserves a round of applause for being able to say, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm moving on with life, and I'm just going to go and move on and do my thing. And I just remember the player that made the oh thing, and I know this is probably like we were four minutes past this. It was Jamal Eitz, uh, for, formerly of BYU, UNLV, and then also finished up his career at Southern Utah, a transfer in his own right. But once again, congratulations to Nick Emery on his career. I applaud him for being able to say, you know what? It's time for me to step aside. I'm moving on with my life, and this is what's best for me. And I wish him nothing but the best. I'm hopeful that he's able to find whatever is next for him and find success in that. Uh, Mark Pope in the release from BYU says, quote, we are excited for Nick as he begins his next stage of life. He has great things ahead. And I echo that. I think Nick Emery has been very public about his issues, but I think that's going to help him in the long run to really be successful in whatever he decides to do in the next stage of his life. All right, there you go. First segment in the bag now. We'll come back. We'll switch gears, talk some BYU football. Got a lot to get to on today's podcast. It's kind of a hodgepodge of different things coming in. Neil Pau has agreed to a plea deal. We'll talk about that next and the ramifications from it. But a reminder for you that if you are looking to reach an upscale male audience, then your company should be advertising right here on Locked on Cougars. To get your company connected with this audience, which in terms of BYU fans is both global and also nationwide, as well as people, many people here along the Wasatch Front, email us at lockedonbyu at gmail.com or email locked at lockedonpodcast.com to get more details about increasing your business. More in a moment. This is Locked On Cougars. are Locked On Cougars, and once again, thanks for joining us on a Pioneer Day edition of the podcast. I'm Jay Catch, your host here, and if you're new to the podcast, welcome on in. It's a good time to, I guess, kick things up. BYU football season is right around the corner. We are just 36 days away. It is coming fast and furious, and I couldn't be more excited for it. So thanks again for joining us on this Pioneer Pioneer Day edition of the podcast. Please follow along whichever podcatcher you're using, and if you don't mind, give us a good rating and review. Those ratings and reviews, especially those five-star reviews, which we would ask for, are worth their weight in podcast gold. All right, let's get to some news coming out of Provo uh, 
City District Court earlier this week. Uh, BYU wide receiver uh, Neil Pau has pleaded guilty to an amended charge of impaired driving, which is a Class B misdemeanor, during a pretrial conference at the Provo City Justice Court earlier this week. Um, he had been charged with driving under the influence, also a Class B misdemeanor on June 17th. A second charge of interfering with signs and signals, a Class C misdemeanor, was dropped as part of this plea deal, according to court records. And I'm reading this from Sean Walker, who's been a regular guest on this podcast. He did a great job covering this for KSL.com. Um, he was arrested on June 8th, as most people know. At this point, when a BYU officer pulled over the vehicle he was driving in on BYU's campus alone, let's be clear about that. The court records show that he was alone, erroneous reports about other BYU players aside. Pau, who's expected to be a junior wide receiver on BYU's football program this fall, was found with a blood alcohol content of 0.147%, which is nearly three times the legal limit in the state of Utah, according to court documents. Uh, it said he admitted to the officer at the time he had, quote, two jungle juice, unquote, after the office, officer smelled the strong odor of alcohol. I uh, pleaded not guilty to the original charges, but now has pleaded guilty as initial dis- dip- disposition or deposition. I don't know how you say it Monday with a pre-agreed amendment to drop DUI charges so here's what he's going to be uh, here's what his penalty is or his punishment uh, the wide receiver was sentenced to 12 months of probation he was fined $1,000 and expected to serve 48 hours of, of work diversion which uh, means you well the 48 hours was in lieu of serving two days in jail he decided to take the, the work diversion he says 12 of which he's been given credit for time served in jail so far the remaining 36 hours of that work diversion must be completed by September 25th. If he violates any of those terms, he could be sentenced to up to 178 days in the Utah County Jail. So here's hoping that Neil Pau has kind of had a wake-up call and gets back on the straight and narrow. There's it's no laughing matter when it comes to DUI. Plain and simple. I'm not. I'm not going to make light of that. That and for him to be three times the legal limit and think it's responsible to get behind the wheel, there's no excuse for that. Plain and simple. I, I, let's be very clear about that. I. It, it, it bugs me that people think it's it, that they can handle their alcohol or whatever they're on. I don't know. It doesn't have to be alcohol, and they can control a motor vehicle. You're driving a. a ton of essentially thousands of pounds of steel uh, metal and glass that can just absolutely wreck lives ruin lives kill people and it's irresponsible what Neil Pau did and I'm hopeful that this outcome in terms of the Provo City Justice Court wakes him up and he can get himself cleaned up and back in good standing with the BYU football program it is my expectation I don't know this for a fact but this is my expectation is he will not see the field this fall for BYU BYU. I, I, it's just my expectation. I think he's going to have to deal with ramifications of this uh, pleading guilty to impaired driving with both BYU, the honor code, and also the football program. So I don't expect him to be on the field this fall. We'll see if um, anything else comes out of that. When we finally get to talk to Kalani Sitake, whenever the first media availability for BYU's uh, fall camp is there, I'm guessing that in the first three questions, Neil Pau will be asked about, and that might even be the first question. Well, actually, the first question after how was the first day, and then it'll be like, hey, Neil Pau, what's his status? And we'll see if he addresses it, has any more information, or if he essentially gives us a no comment, we'll keep you updated on all of that. But like I said, I'm 
hopeful that this entire situation has gotten Neil Pau just to pay attention and wake up and say, you know what, I can't continue to do what I'm doing. Because like I said, DUI, it is not a laughing matter. It is it is a serious, serious issue. And I'm hopeful that he has learned from this. He moves on from it and becomes a better person and has, has figured things out a little more clearly in his life after this uh, legal incident took place. But we'll keep you updated with, uh, updated with any other news that comes out of it. And of course, like I said, once we get to meet with the BYU coaches, Kalani Satake in particular, once fall camp begins, I'm sure there'll be more of an update at that point. All right, we will step aside here, come back. Need to get to a burning question for BYU fall camp coming up. We've also got to get to our church and state player countdown series. Two players we're talking about on today's podcast as we're 36 days away from the Holy War game are running back Morgan Piper and D'Angelo Mandel, a sophomore defensive back from San Diego, California. Those are the two guys we're highlighting on today's podcast. We'll get to all of that in a moment here, but a reminder for you guys, when you are driving around to or from work or just driving around town, plug in your smart device, tell it to play podcast Locked On Cougars, and we'll be right there with you for the drive, keeping you up to date every day when it comes to BYU news. More in a moment. You are Locked On Cougars. Podcast need to get to one of the burning questions as we kind of build towards BYU football and their fall camp, which is expected to open this weekend with players reporting. The first practice, based on what I have heard, I have not been told this, but everything I have heard is that BYU will be practicing on July 29th, which is Monday, be the first practice, and I'm expecting we'll probably have media availability that day, and we'll be sure to bring you all the coverage from fall camp that you can absolutely handle right here on this daily podcast, all covering BYU and also being a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which is where the title is, Your Team Every Day, or the moniker, the slogan, whatever you want to call it. Your Team Every Day. There we go. My radio announcer voice. Anyways, a burning question today is who's going to take the bulk of the reps from the running back position group this fall? Of course, Lopini Katoa, we've talked about him being a little bit underrated. He was rated pretty highly by Pro Football Focus. And of course, there are two incoming grad transfers in Emmanuel Asupa and Tyson Williams. I think that triumvirate, those three players will be the lead dogs or the lead guys when it comes to BYU's running back group. Uh, guys like Sione Finau, Kavika Fanua, Tyler Algier, uh, and Jackson McChesney coming back off a of mission, all of them will be looking to make a push and uh, maybe uh, unseat one of those three guys kind of at the top and make a push up the depth chart, but they're going to face some long odds to do it because BYU didn't bring Emmanuel Asupa and uh, and Tyson Williams in to have them say, you know what? We're gonna we're just gonna put you like fourth or fifth on the depth chart. That's why they didn't come here. That's why B, that's not why BYU brought them in. There's an expectation that those two guys can be part of BYU's regular rotation, if not become one of the bell cow running backs. If I had to kind of peg it right now, I would say that Tyson Williams is your opening day starter for BYU at running back. I think number two will be Lopini Katoa, and then Emmanuel Asupa will become your power back, your short yardage back. I think a guy like Tyler Algier 
here, Kavika Fanua and Sione Finau in particular, those three guys will have to really show what they can do in fall camp to earn any reps. Maybe they become that reliable receiving option out of the backfield. Who knows? But Lopini Katoa has been very good at catching the ball out of the backfield in my experience. So It'll be an interesting uh, race here to see which running backs really emerge during fall camp. And we're going to talk about Morgan Piper here in a minute, one of the the starlets coming out of spring ball. He's going to be one of our player profile people because he wears number 36, and we are 36 days away from BYU football being back on the field. But the running back group, I think it's going to be the two grad transfers in Tyson Williams, Emmanuel Asupa, really helping Lopini Katoa become that three-headed monster at running back that most programs, most college programs or teams have really gone to. They go to a running back by committee approach where different guys have different skill sets and they excel in certain situations and scenarios. I'd see that being the way it goes about. If a guy like Kavika Fanua is healthy, he has shown great things on the practice field. We haven't seen it in a game. He's also proven that he gets injured quite often, so we'll see if he's able to step up. Sione Finau is highly rated coming out of Kearns High School redshirted a year ago. Tyler Algier was a walk-on running back, but showed some good things late in the season last year as well. So there's an opportunity for some of these guys to step up and really push those top three, speaking of Williams, Asupa, and Katoa, but they face long odds to do it in such a short window in fall camp, but we'll see how it all shakes out this fall. All right, let's get to our Church and State Player Countdown Series. As we wrap up today's show, we're talking about Morgan Piper, a freshman running back from Idaho Falls, Idaho played at Hillcrest High School up there in the Idaho Falls area, served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Milan, Italy, and there were many media members during spring ball when BYU's running back position was very unsettled that felt like Piper could really become uh, a starlet, uh, an underrated guy coming out of spring ball that can make an impression this fall camp. I think with the addition of Emmanuel Asupa and Tyson Williams, He's probably back down the depth chart some some way, but six foot two, two hundred and two pounds. He's got great size for a running back. There's there's no doubt about it with Piper. And I can say this: watching him in spring ball, and I take everything with a grain of salt when it comes to spring ball, as I've always said. But he showed some good things. He showed the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. He showed the ability to pick up tough yardage and short yardage situations. So I think Morgan Piper might become this uh, new addition of a. Bro- Brian Correa, if any of you remember Brian Correa, a former player at Davis High School, went on to have actually a pretty good career in a BYU uniform. Uh, Morgan Piper, I think, is on that same track. Will he get the same opportunity that a guy like Brian Correa was afforded under Bronco Mendenhall's tenure? I have no idea, no way to tell you that right now. I can't tell the future. But Morgan Piper, guy who has come to the BYU football program with expectations that he can really make an imprint, and we'll see if he's able to do it. And I think he's part of a strong walk-on contingent for BYU. And if he shows that he can play, the coaches are more than willing to give guys scholarships that can contribute. I just think he faces some long odds right at least this year with the graduate transfers and a number of other scholarship running backs in front of him also wearing number 36 is D'Angelo Mandel a defensive back from San Diego California and Del Norte High School down there 
in the greater San Diego area. Six foot one, 185 pound athlete, has had an interesting career to this point at BYU, left BYU after a semester and then took a summer off and then came back. But I think D'Angelo Mandel has the talent to become a starting cornerback for BYU. He has all of the size you want to see in BYU's cornerbacks. Six foot one, 185 pounds. He ran an 11.1 second, 100 meter dash as a junior and ran the 200 meters in 21.82 seconds. So he's plenty fast. He's got the track speed that the coaches at BYU look for from their defensive backs. And he has nine career total tackles in a BYU uniform. This cornerback group for BYU BYU is going to be very interesting to watch this fall. I think that they've got a lot of talent there. It's very young for the most part. Uh, Outside of Chris Wilcox, whose health status we'll find out more about once fall camp gets going. But outside of Chris Wilcox, it's a young group, long on talent, but lean on experience in terms of lots of game time experience. I know a number of them got game time experience at some point uh, during the last season as evidenced by D'Angelo Mandel with nine total tackles. But I feel like Mandel is one of the guys who's on the short list who could end up being a starter come the Utah game uh, 36 days from today. And I'm hopeful he's able to continue to build because, like I said, I really like what Mandel can do. He's got the body type. He's got the track speed. And what I've seen so far from him as a freshman, he's also got the ability to track the ball in the air. It's a tough thing to do as a cornerback when you're trying to stay with the wide receiver, but also keep your eye on that ball and really understand where it's coming down. Maybe make a play on it, bat it down, make an interception, etc. I like what Mandel can do, and I'm expecting him to very much be in the mix, barring an injury, obviously, of being in the starting rotation, or at least in the rotation, the two deep for BYU at cornerback this coming fall. All right, there you go. That's the podcast for today on Pioneer Day. Thanks again for joining us. Hope you guys all have a great holiday. If you do get the holiday, or regardless, hope you're out grilling, having some fun. And we'll be back tomorrow, continuing on with our preview series, getting you ready for BYU Fall Camp, catching up on everything in BYU News each and every day. That is our goal, to make sure you guys know what's going on with all things in BYU sports each and every day. Please follow the show on social media, at Locked On Cougars on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Follow me at Jacob C. Hatch on Twitter. And if you want to drop the show a line via email, you can do that by emailing us lockedonbyu at gmail.com. Until tomorrow, enjoy the rest of your Pioneer holiday or Pioneer holiday. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for July 24th, 2019.